So you're a Major League Baseball reporter. You've built relationships over the years by getting to know the players on the team you cover. But now, you can't go into the clubhouse, you can't get one-on-one interviews, and you can't easily come up with info to generate stories. So how do you do your job? Where do you do your job? After provincial and city health officials gave the Blue Jays their blessing to hold regular season games here in Toronto, the federal government weighed in on Saturday, and it wasn't the news many people expected. Let's get. We visit with two Major League Baseball reporters today to find out how they're handling covering baseball during COVID. I'm Dan Schulman, and this is a Swing and a Belt. Adrian Hauser on the mound for the series finale. Avi Garcia back in center field on the leadoff spot. He's riding a four-game hitting streak. We'll take a look at Avi's success at the plate coming up. Sophia Minnert is in her eighth season covering the Milwaukee Brewers for Fox Sports Wisconsin. And Hazel May, as of course is well known to baseball fans in Canada, covers the Blue Jays for Sportsnet. Each of them has been kind enough to join me today to let me know how things are going for them this season. Sophia, how are you? I'm doing great, Dan. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for being here. And Hazel, long time no see. How you doing? <laughs> I'm great. I'm great. Great to hear you. <laughs> so let me ask each of you, and feel free to jump in whenever you want, but Sophia, let me start with you because every team is doing things a different way. What is your situation for home games at Miller Park, and what is your situation for road games for the Brewers? Well, Miller Park has been our home for the entire season, and I'm grateful to that because I think it at least puts us in a work environment, despite these really unusual circumstances. It's at least a ballpark and it's a place that we're, you know, you get there, you get into your work zone, your, your baseball mindset. And so I do think that has helped all of us um, working on, on TV and then also the radio broadcast. They're doing the same things we are that Miller park has just been our, our technical hub. So for home games, it's nice because obviously the game is happening live in front of you. So even though we don't have any in-person access to Craig Council or the players or, or anyone on the staff, you can sometimes still get by with a, a friendly wave from the press <laughs> box or from the concourse. Um, you're seeing the game live in front of you. And we're doing all of our interviews like everyone else on Zoom. So that's the home situation. And then for road games, um, you know, we're, we're calling the games from the monitors again at Miller Park. They're even putting the program feed on the Miller Park scoreboard. So that's actually how our radio crew is calling it. They're calling it off of the scoreboard, wow. sort of a natural sight line for them. Huh. But it's definitely a challenge. You know, there have definitely been sort of eerie nights at Miller Park when it's, it's what, 10 of us between radio and TV in the stadium. Sometimes it's dark <laughs> in there. <laughs> um, roof, roof may be open or closed, but that's kind of been our 2020 season so far. It sounds like it's going to like a drive-in movie almost. You've got this enormous <laughs> screen in front of you, but it's only you. It is. Yeah. It is. It's it's like the um the best private sports bar without Seriously. cocktails. Seriously. Wow. <laughs> so for home games, normally Sophia, you'd be down in a camera well, I assume, near one of the dugouts. what's your spot in the ballpark for home games? Where do they have you? Yeah. So typically I would be in the camera well right next to our Brewers dugout, just right behind first base. Um we experimented a little bit at the beginning. They had me at a beautiful spot out in center field, which is where in a normal season, I would do some of our guest interviews or do some hits out there anyway, because you know, I get a, a beautiful backdrop of the stadium. But I, it was just, I felt very isolated out there. I really felt like I was kind of on an island. And so they moved me 
where now I'm, I'm along the first base concourse, sort of just outside of the press box. So I'm just kind of higher up from where my normal spot would be. Part of that is also just coverage in case we have bad weather at Miller right. Park, especially for the road games. So I do think it, it has worked out much better and I'm at least closer to the action, closer to the press box. And I can still go into our TV booth and sit there and do the games as well, too. You mentioned that the runners in scoring position numbers tonight were excellent. Eight for 12. How much of a difference does it make when you guys are capitalizing up and down the lineup on those scoring opportunities? Um, you know, it makes it really tough on the pitcher uh, when everybody's making them throw pitches and making them work. So Hazel, of course, is in a very different situation. Hazel I am. And, and, yeah, Hazel and Buck and myself, we're in Toronto all the time, even if the team's at home, because home is Buffalo for the team this year. So Hazel, I've seen your setup, but tell people where you're located when you do your hits uh, into our games. Yeah, so Dan, you and Buck are da literally down the hall from me. Uh, you guys are calling the game from, gosh, the best looking, I would say, sports bar ever, minus <laughs> the, the drinks. You guys have a billion monitors. Yeah. I'm actually down the hall in, I would say, a seven or eight by four voiceover booth. And I have a headset. I've got two large monitors there. And I can communicate with Doug Walton, our producer and our director, and to you and Buck through the headsets that I wear. And I follow along like you and Buck do via the monitors. Now, the only time I leave the voiceover booth is to go and do an on-camera hit which is down the hall to where our pre and post game studio is. That's the only time you see me during the broadcast. As soon as I do that live hit, I'm back in the voiceover booth and talk about feeling isolated. Yeah. Uh, Sophia, like yeah. I, I think this setup for me during a pandemic is probably the best kind of setup because I am socially distanced and kind of away from the rest of the people that are working at the network within the newsroom. So in that sense, it really is a nice benefit to have, have your own little space, but feeling isolated and really feeling removed from the action is, you know, how I'm feeling, you know, not being able to peek into the dugout to see any reaction after a home run or trying to get facial expressions from guys in the dugout. If they happen to be injured, you can kind of peek over to see if they're shaking their hand or feeling their knee. There are things like that, Sophia, that you and I can't contribute to the broadcast. So it really has been a challenge to be, you know, a little bit more creative in our storytelling, maybe talk a little bit more of human interest stories than the nuts and bolts of baseball because we don't see it in front of our eyes. His name itself comes with the burden of playing in the shadow of its predecessor. When paired with being the most highly touted offensive prospect in recent memory, it's hard to imagine how Vladimir Guerrero Jr. could have lived up to the colossal pressure of expectation in his first major league season. And I think that's a great point is how much news gathering, information gathering, idea gathering each of you has to do in order to do your job. Let me bounce back to you, Sophia. How much of the info in a normal year, how much of the info that you would get would be face to face with players and coaches before or after games? Oh, my gosh, probably honestly 70 percent oh, um yeah. I, I think if if not higher hazel i yeah I, absolutely I, that that's the part that honestly i know i personally have struggled with and speaking with other reporters around the league 
I think we've all been very supportive of each other as we're trying to get through this. But I do think what we're really missing and that we can't replace, even with all the technology we have, is just the the eyes and ears component of our job. You know, the the in-person interactions. I mean, the time in the clubhouse, the time standing at a guy's locker, you know, yeah. catching up about even their families or backgrounds or what are they watching at home or you talking about other things going on around the league of other teams, other players who's caught their attention. And then just running into a coach in the hallway, being able to be on the field for batting practice, talking to a guy as he comes in after his round or after a pitcher comes in after his bullpen, that is the part that we cannot replace. And I know I personally have struggled with the most is I very much underestimated how much those interactions matter in terms of our storytelling, um, in terms of even adding more layers to whatever the news may be that we get from Craig Council or David Stearns, or even from the players themselves, you can just add so many other layers to it. And then obviously in game, the, the components of whatever may be happening in the dugout or fun reactions or all of that. My favorite part of a baseball day is, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate I get to do our pregame show essentially in our dugout right there on the field. And so those like 20 minutes before guys come out to first pitch, that's probably my favorite part of the day because you really get to see them kind of right as they're ready to get out there on the field, you know, ready to do their jobs, ready to perform. And sometimes they'll reveal something or they'll make a comment and it, it can, again, add to whatever you're going to talk about in the game where it gives you a context of, okay, keep an eye on this. That's the part I've really struggled with. So that part has certainly been a challenge. And Hazel, I, I'm sure you feel even more so than I do because you're, you're more removed from the team. So right now I've been relying on my contacts, my phone contacts via texts, communicating with guys over email, over even direct message on social media. I've tried everything, you know, except for smoke signals, um, <laughs> try, to, try to talk to these guys because, of course, we all have access to the Zoom interviews. But there are, you know, I always think of our roles a little different than a columnist or a beat reporter that writes in the newspapers, I might be looking for, you know, added insight on family or, you know, thoughts going into certain things, um, maybe stuff that happens off the field that maybe over a Zoom call may not be covered. So for me, it's been challenging texting, waiting for replies to come back, emailing at 11 o'clock at night, hoping they'll get back to you before um, they take BP. That type of communication has been difficult. And you're right, Sophia, like relationships are, you know, so big in our business. And it's not even going up to a player asking them about, you know, their swing or their approach. It's even, like you said, Sophia, asking them how they're doing, how their families are doing, because, you know, I try to anyways, not to approach a player just to ask a baseball question, how about, how are you? How are things off the field? And those are the kind of things that we miss is just deepening those relationships, building that trust with these players. We can't do that over Zoom. I agree 100%, Hazel, because I, I tell people that I honestly feel like I spend the majority of my day talking to them about things that aren't even baseball related. Absolutely. Um, 
and it, it sounds silly when I say that, but I, I'm glad to hear that you have the same approach. And I've even heard from some players that I didn't think I would ever hear this, but I've even heard from some of them like, it's quiet in the clubhouse. You know, they're not really being encouraged to spend time in the clubhouse either. And they said, we, we actually kind of miss having you guys around, yes. you know, like, just, <laughs> which I mean, you know, I never thought I would hear that from players, but I've, I've heard that from a few of them of just, Hey, you know, we do actually miss seeing you guys as well, because I think they're also used to that being a, a part of the fabric part of, of their, their day. day. I haven't gotten any of those texts. <laughs> um, you, you know, Hazel, you, you made me think of something when you were talking about being creative and looking for information. So whether it's Vladimir Guerrero Jr. or Lourdes Gurriel, so then you also have a language barrier to deal ah, with as good well. Point. And I know Hector LeBron, the interpreter for the Blue Jays, has been a, a very valuable resource for you. I mean, you're texting him to go to them and then come back to you and text you the response so you can have the information, right? Absolutely. And that sometimes takes, you know, 24 hours. But you're right. Uh, having a good relationship with the translators, Hector LeBron, Brian Lee, Yuto, it has been invaluable to me. So like you said, if I have a question for Vladdy post-game and he hasn't been made available via Zoom, I text Hector LeBron, who then goes to Vladdy, asks him the question, gets the answer. And sometimes, you know, between getting showered and changed and having dinner and getting on the bus and going to the hotel, they might not get back to me until 1 a.m., 2 a.m. in the morning. So sometimes I wake up, you know, like Christmas Day, looking at my phone, hoping I got some type of reply. <laughs> and so now I've gotten a little bit more creative. I've asked the translators to then voice record their answers because, you know, who wants to text this long-winded answer? And I think that if they just kind of speak into their cell phones and then text me that audio, mm -hmm. that I would get a little bit more meat in their answers. So it has been, I guess, another layer in communication to try to get to the player and get to the answer that I need. But you're right, Dan, having three translators and trying to navigate getting them when they're not busy to right. approach the player when the player is not busy to then give you the answer to then give to me in time for our broadcast. <laughs> it's like the most complicated game of telephone. Yeah. Absolutely. If the Brewers make the playoffs, Sophia, they would be a road team. They would go somewhere for that first round two out of three. Do you know if you would travel with the team if they make the playoffs? We have not. I'm gotten that far yet. Um, it has not been brought up to me. I'm just, I'm assuming not because my understanding is that the playoff bubbles are going to be pretty small. Um, and just, you know, under the context of we haven't traveled at any point this year, mm -hmm. obviously I would lobby to do it. Um, yeah. I would love to do it if we had the opportunity, but we just, we have not had that conversation yet. Hazel, I know one thing you lead the major leagues in every year is Gatorade showers because the Blue Jays... <laughs> They, it, it, it never stops being funny for the Blue Jays. Sophia, we have like the youngest team in baseball in Toronto. Oh. They're, they're all like a bunch of grade school kids sometimes. And they think it's endlessly funny to make Hazel go to the dry cleaner. So um, is, is, is that the one positive that comes out of this year, that your dry cleaning bill is a little bit smaller? Or? Absolutely. And I've <laughs> joked about this on the broadcast. The lovely lady that is down at the dry cleaner store that I see over the summer is, you know, heartbroken. She doesn't see me as often as she usually does. And she's a huge baseball fan. What does this do for this ball club? I mean, you guys have been struggling in one-run ball games. 
What does this do for this ball club? You guys have been gutting it out in these one-run ball games. This that year. is a positive, and I don't know about you, Sophia, but for me, not having to wear my heels for, you know, eight hours, <laughs> I just throw my heels on when I do my on-camera hit in the pregame studio, and then when I'm in the VO booth, I change into my Skechers or my flip-flops. <laughs> um, so that's been an added bonus. Hazel, you're one step ahead of me because I told our crew and and I've been sharing this on social media as well. I just made the decision that my heels have opted out of 2020. <laughs> so yes. um, you're you're at least one step ahead of me in that you you actually put on the heels for any amount of time. My heel section of the closet has just been retired and maybe we'll revisit them in 2021. <laughs> I've just been going sneakers at the ballpark every oh. day. And I oh. have to say it's it's life changing. It <laughs> is. It is. And so would, you know, if the Blue Jays ever drafted anybody under six feet tall, that would be life changing for me. <laughs> um, but, you know, every year come draft day and, you know, with the, you know, X amount of pick, the Blue Jays choose six foot seven right hander. And as soon as I hear that, my heart just goes, oh, no, I got to add another inch to my heels. Hey, there was a day at the World Series last year. They wouldn't let you and me, Hazel, do a stand up together. And I asked That's why. Right. And they said, because the, our height difference is too much. So I said, so I'll slouch. <laughs> like, who's going to know? What's it? <laughs> that is true. That's a true story. That's that a true story. True. <laughs> uh, the the, the things that happen in television that uh, nobody uh, realizes. Last question, not an important one, but every it's funny. Everybody asks me this. I don't know why everybody's so curious about this. They're saying, so, you know, is Sportsnet like catering in food for you guys every day? No. And I say, and I say, and I <laughs> no. Say, no there's, <laughs> I know, funny question if you're, you know, if you're in the business. And, and I say, no, there's hardly anybody in the buildings. They say, what do you do? So Hazel knows there's three spots right on the other side of Jarvis Street, like literally right across the street. Yep. And I, and Monday's this one, Tuesday's that one, Wednesday's this one, and then I start over again. So Hazel, let me start with you. What are you doing for food with the, because we've had some long games. What are you doing for food at the studio? We have, and I have, um, so I've gotten really good with uh, ordering online and then picking up across the street to cut yes. down on time. Yes. But one of the things I forgot to mention being in this voiceover booth is, okay, obviously you've got your own space, no one's around. I am constantly snacking because there's like, outside of watching the game, you feel like you're just at home on your couch watching the monitors. So I'm constantly, you know, eating. And when the producer says, okay, your, your hits coming up in the next half inning, I am like desperately swallowing my food. <laughs> and I know one day, you know, something's going to get caught in my throat in the middle of the hit, but I am constantly eating. So I try to grab something before we go on the air. Um, one of the associate producers is always kind enough to go across the street and grab something quick for me. And then I, it just, you know, the munch fest towards, mm -hmm. you know, and you know, Dan, we've had a lot of extra inning games. So I'm sure that if I step on that scale at the end of this off season, <laughs> it's probably up another 10 or 15 pounds. <laughs> what about you, Sophia? Very similar story, Hazel. I am a hundred percent doing all of the snacking every inning. It's, it's crazy. Cause I feel yeah. like I don't do that in a normal game. Um, but I, I do agree with you. I think it's just because it's empty, it's quiet, there's nobody around, right? It's just a very different experience. So we've actually been pretty fortunate. So with our home games, we actually have the opportunity to get a meal from the clubhouse. So 
they just tell us, you know, what the menu is that day. And, and obviously the food is totally different for the players and the coaches now as well, different from what they're accustomed to. But we just place our order with one of our PR guys and they bring it up for us, which is really kind of, of the team to include us in that. And then for the road games, when we're the only people in the building, we've actually all just taken turns of, okay, I'm going to stop at X place, send me your order. Hazel, we do the same thing. I, I place the order online, we pick it up, and, and then we bring it to the ballpark. So we've done a mix of just bringing our own things and, and picking up. You know, we're trying to support a lot of these local restaurants and, you know, friends that we have in the restaurant business here. So the food part is very important. Like it is, I, Dad, I know what you mean. I'm like, we need to be fueled, right? We need to yes. be fueled to put on these good broadcasts every yes. night. So yeah. yes, you cannot, you cannot discount the food part. I will say one thing I do really miss about not traveling this year is I do miss the ice cream in Philadelphia. Oh, served by Frank. so good. That is one thing yes. that, that I, I mean, again, things you can't replace in 2020, just, the ice cream serving from Frank at yeah. Citizens Bank Park. I mean, how do you replace <laughs> that experience? Yeah. Six flavors. They change every day. And you're not allowed to not have ice cream when you're there because Frank will just verbally beat you up to the point where you have to have ice cream when you're there. It's so He good. shames yeah. you. He, he does, shames yeah. you. He, he, keeps, <laughs> he keeps track. And he says, I know you didn't have any yesterday. And then yeah. you get like a double serving. Yeah. I don't know how he keeps track of it. So, Dan, in the American League, would that be, say, the equivalent to Fenway or Yankee Stadium? Uh, I find the Yankee, the brownies and the strawberry, there's chocolate covered strawberries and all that's that's yeah, that works. The the Yankee dessert platter is good, but I I'm uh, I think Philadelphia just beats it out. The ice cream is so good. Yeah. <laughs> Things we miss. We're small yes. people, right? Aren't we? This is, there's a pandemic going on. We don't ask for about, much. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, here's to ice cream and chocolate covered strawberries, hopefully in 2021. Absolutely. Um, you two always do a wonderful job and, and especially so this year with all of the, uh, you know, the difficult conditions in place. So thank you for doing this. Stay safe. And Hazel, we'll see you around the office. <laughs> I'll see you around the office. Yeah. Sophia, have a great rest of the season. Thank you. And, and good luck to you guys. Hopefully in a, a deep postseason run. I know the Blue Jays have been a lot of fun to watch this year. So thank you so much for having me on. Thanks, guys. Be safe. Well, I hope those of you who listened to this felt the same, but I thought that was really fun, really interesting, and a lot of inside information about how professionals like Sophia and Hazel are trying to do their job in difficult circumstances, from creative ways to come up with stories, down to little things like feeling isolated and where am I going to get my food from today. Uh, the ballpark reporters on every single broadcast work extremely hard to bring all of us information and stories and angles that we wouldn't otherwise get. And like everything else, it's more challenging for them this year, but Sophia, Hazel, and everybody else doing a wonderful job. Thanks to, again to them for joining me. It was a lot of fun, this episode of A Swing and a Belt, produced by Christian Ryan. I'm Dan Schulman. Thanks for listening.